0: fiction has been moved to current affairs.
1: Hello, you are listening to um dystopian fiction has been moved to current affairs with your co-hosts Claire and Marsha and this is our thirteenth episode on downsizing. Um, Claire would you want to do a little synopsis
2: of this movie? yeah I could try and do this so, uh, so this was, this was Marsha's choice even though they hadn't actually seen it <laughs> at the time but I think it's a good one it's a 2018 film um, it stars um, Matt Damon um, mm. and um, Hong Chao um, probably deserves a mention um, as a major character or major uh, actor in this um, and just to like weird sort of science fictiony film that tries to do quite a lot but has the basic premise that as an environmental innovation it's been proposed and the science has been created basically to shrink people down um to being really tiny like 10 12 centimeters tall Yeah, yeah and it follows the story of paul and his wife, and then not his wife, (laughs) um, and the other people that he meets after he has been shrunk. Uh, And it explores kind of, it's a comedy. So on the one hand, it's just kind of a bit silly. And on the other hand, it tries to do serious messaging, I think, about uh, social justice issues and environmental issues and um, people's attitude to those without kind of coming out with any sort of, you know, this is very different from something like Don't Look Up, where there's a kind of like, finality to sort of the side you should have been on this is sort of more nuanced in a way and looking at the way in which different people can react to environmental crisis um and whether actually it's the environment that uh, drives people to make decisions or whether it's actually their own personal circumstances and the economics of it so uh yeah an, an interesting one um definitely um I was interested to see that it's it was so mixed in terms of its reviews yeah um, yeah definitely. and um uh Hong Chao uh was nominated for a Golden Globe for this really? uh, this wow. was her breakthrough film yeah um best supporting I'd actress I've never really heard of it before no neither had um, I
1: I think I saw it on uh I think a lot of people if you're on TikTok these days you get these little clips of like sort of these weird niche movies that people watch uh, and this is where I'd seen I yeah. saw the original clip of them like signing the well we'll get on to the details <laughs> in a bit or the sort of um ideas and concepts around the downsizing but the actual sort of signing away their lives and going through yeah. the pre- like procedures the little yeah. clip that I saw and I was like this looks really interesting but no I, I I literally had no clue what else has she been in do we know
2: uh since then uh the whale I think is the other really big title thing, but quite a lot of like um TV stuff that, you know, um like um uh The Night Agent, for example, on Netflix last year, that was quite a big thing. Um and yeah, just quite a lot of different stuff. But I thought it was interesting because um not only do I think is that Hong Chao is in many ways the standout kind of um actor in the film. I mean obviously Matt Damon is you know the, the sort of famous one, but um but she is um a was a, a, a Vietnamese refugee. So um her background kind of mirrors in some respects um the character that she plays. Yeah, I was just interested to find out more about her. Um so mm. she's an American but uh um so this uh, this role I think was was quite a breakthrough for her. But we should come back to her because she's not she turned up in the film <laughs> for the first half. Yes, um, So, I mean, the whole thing kind of opened with something that made me think of you um, science and labs and unfortunate rats and things like that.
0: Yep. Um,
2: So, what did you think about the sort of um, the way that the supposed science was put across?
1: I mean I was watching it with my course friends at the time so um, you know I think we're all a little bit skeptical. It was it was interesting for sure, um, I think the concept they was sort of you know they're like giving us these little snippets over like the sort of panning shots of like lab rats <laughs> and sort of syringes and all these things. Um, uh, yeah I think they sort of talk a lot about the well obviously the, the idea is you're shrinking these people but it, they sort of say about like cellular shrinking and mm-hmm. the idea of this you know you are exactly the way you are you've just just genuinely the like size of you has, has reduced um including your like mass and surface area and that's so you sort of start to like run into a couple of problems <laughs> uh ultimately which i think are like plot holes. um but i guess that's all part of science Fiction. It a, is, a, isn't it? Yeah, some yeah um,
2: I'll put this in the show notes, but there's a, a a good blog that we were talking about on the Warwick University website that basically looks at this kind of interest in science fiction, uh, looking at kind of the idea of miniaturisation and the different ways that it could be done, and um, and going back to kind of films from the beginning of talking film. You know, this this goes back to stuff in the 30s, and uh, then I think kind of like probably most memorably for. Or certainly my generation i'm a little bit young for it was um honey i shrunk the kids exploring that idea of um miniaturizing um people using science in in some way or other uh, do you want to explain to us what the problems with this are
1: um yeah i mean so you, there's a, I mean, so a num- number of different sort of things you'd, you'd really run into so Obviously, I I think we mentioned before, number one, you'd probably just die instantly. Breathing (laughs) would not be possible. It's it's a lot to do with um, the sort of inflation of the lungs, um, especially like uh, the atmospheric pressure Mm -hmm. outside of that and the sort of pressure inside of your lungs and how that operates, the inflating and sort of deflating. So ultimately, they'd probably just collapse and you wouldn't really make it very long. Um, i read
2: something about how you'd have to also be able to like miniaturize air molecules basically so yeah like everything was was relative to the size of of the human. yeah exactly
1: which at that point is kind of like oh now it starts to get physicsy and i'm I'm not (laughs) sure how how much you can shrink atoms and molecules uh i think that'll just be breaking like almost all laws of sort of science there but um like i think that there'd also be a lot of issues so I was we were actually, I was doing an uh, experiment of uh, these, these practicals, going to be, have to be writing up a little uh, lab report, um, but even uh, size affects the way that um, we're looking at how height affects heart rate um, mm-hmm. within um, sort of this data set of patients that we had. Um, and ultimately we're doing some sort of physiological research on um, why as like organisms become smaller their heart rate increases so for example the heart rate of a mouse is much yeah much like pit, 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 yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Than, mm. than that of like a whale um part of that is due to I mean, yeah, everyone learns uh gcse biology the sort of surface area to volume ratio
2: that was um, a very long time ago for
1: me so uh, you know you really, keep going no absolutely um yeah i, I mean you'd, you'd have to be maintaining um because you're you're more likely as, as a smaller organism, you'll have a higher surface area to volume ratio. Um, you're gonna be heat, losing heat a lot quicker than you would as a larger animal, a larger organism. So your heart needs to compensate for mm-hmm. that by beating a lot faster and producing a higher cardiac like output, including that. Um, you'd have to eat a lot more. And I think mm-hmm. I was I was also doing a bit of reading about um the fact that we have a very long digestive tract. Mm-hmm. Um three to four times like longer longer than us higher than us right and that's sort of you know the purpose of that is to be able to digest the quite like complex foods that we eat you know your Mm. sort of steak and chips and you know paellas Mm. and seafood and all that probably you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get much nutritional value of that just because it would be so much more you wouldn't have the ability to absorb all those nutrients so mm-hmm. yeah even the sort of diet you'd be taking in um etc etc i think
2: that's really interesting in so far as i know that you know they mostly sort of everything just seems to be like just normal made smaller and yeah you know however like you know how do you I don't know, manufacture rice so that the grains are smaller or are they just grinding it up so you know that's not necessarily kind of covered although all we do here is that they can't get chervil <laughs> And he had to use dill in the dinner so like everything else seems to have been solved it's just the ability to get certain herbs tiny enough the herbs
1: um, is, why would herbs be the issue that's my question yeah um, I mean
2: obviously like with with meat producing animals and things like that we see that those have been um sort of miniaturized just like the the humans have I think we hear at the beginning that the only thing they can't do is like crustaceans so you're not going to get any oh, shellfish. Yeah. um or if you do like the shellfish, would be like a yeah, massive like, centerpiece like of your like yeah, one exactly. prawn for a whole family <laughs> or something.
1: Exactly. I mean, there's you know there's a lot of sort of uh, biological interests. They they had to remove all the hair. Was one of the things. Yeah. Um, and the teeth. Can you tell me why their hair? So uh, I think they mentioned in within the movie. Um, probably need to do a bit more research on this exactly, but uh, my assumption is that. You're shrinking the cells, but since hair is just keratin, it's not actually like a, a yeah, you know, a uh, living okay. cell. It's that makes a... sense.
2: But wouldn't they have to pull out your fingernails?
1: That's tr- oh <laughs> god! Even <laughs> just I, the, oh, I, I did sit here. Yeah, they so you know, for the listeners here, if you haven't seen it, they shave everything off. Like what do we say? Everything like everywhere, everything. everything. That's right. Um, they pull out your teeth, which is oh god! They pull out funny. your teeth
2: um because of. The fact that they can't shrink like things like can't fillings tr- and so yeah, on. Isn't it? So, and,
1: uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, like, yeah. So ultimately I, I think they said that with the fillings and probably mm-hmm. the same sort of story with the hair, since they can't shrink, they're not, yeah. you know, technically mm-hmm. cells like that they're just they're gonna stay the same size and you just explode like your head explodes that's what they explained it as
2: there's the woman who uh the one who has cancer uh later on and and uh, we just told you know uh oh, her husband they forgot to take the gold out of his uh teeth and oh. uh, no is just going his head explode his head explode oh, oh,
1: no. <laughs> yeah exactly it's just i mean it, i think again there's that sort of like well not discriminatory feature but i guess mm. they there are limitation even in this sort of scientific fiction well, world, people who have you know like certain like implants and like pacemakers for example yeah. have these sort of prosthetic limbs well I guess prosthetic limbs are less of an issue
2: but... yeah but we are told that somebody with a hip replacement is ineligible even though you yeah. would have thought that that could basically be removed and then removed and then put back in it's re-implied. not like a pacemaker yeah. where you might die when you don't have it in or something
1: um... yeah exactly so I don't know it, I it's quite curious but there's a lot there's a lot that goes on but we're also saying you wouldn't really see anything Mm -hmm. it'd be freezing the one the one that I was very like um interested by was you were saying how we could jump a lot higher
2: yeah I can't remember exactly the stats but it was something like being able to like jump 20 inches so like so that's what four times the the height um in the same way that like uh a, a, a an insect or something can can jump so that I think yeah that was interesting I was also thinking about the fact that their voices stay at the same resonance so if you had shorter vocal cords then that resonates at a different frequency right so they'd be like <laughs> tiny squeaky voices um, yeah. so yeah that was a, an interesting thing and the other thing that I was thinking about was it yeah, just the, like the ways that when this has been done before like um different like science fiction writers have taken it in different sort of uh directions so I think mm. um there's a, a a movie called uh Fantastic Voyage which I want to say was maybe like the 50s 60s 60s I think and it was I think subsequently a, a novel was written on it by um Isaac Asimov so one of the kind of great um science fiction writers of the um the 20th century and I think he even he put it at the beginning like physics makes this actually impossible and then people have like written about it basically saying well you'd have to change all the laws of physics um, or you'd have to create an environment in which like everything was was miniaturized and those kind of things so on the one hand yeah we we know that this has always been considered a completely implausible thing mm. to do Um, but because the film doesn't like it doesn't really yeah, I mean it makes the process into something that's sort of vaguely kind of like has narrative consistency and it's kind of humorous um but it's not just trying to talk about kind of the scientific process and things that can go wrong yeah. so once you've sort of suspended your disbelief for yes, the physics exactly. then you're a bit like okay
1: I think that's mean. when it becomes sort of interesting yeah it kind of talks more about like the ethical implications of mm. all of
2: this one of the things that we you know could probably sort of touch on here is the reasoning behind Doing this before we maybe go back to the process because obviously it's been something that like I guess different authors have looked at for different reasons. But there's a specific reason for this, which is that basically tackling the idea of overpopulation and the yes. impact of that upon the world. And we know that overpopulation is a is a very real issue. Um, mm-hmm. and again, I'll put a link in this uh, the show notes. But um, yeah. what we have is this. Uh, overpopulation caused by obviously a drop in mortality rates and the way in which medicine is keeping people alive um food production improving which is obviously a kind of like a good thing but it does mean that we have too many people and also migration and urban concentration so um uh, by creating kind of these restricted but habitable areas we tend to create kind of like the i think it's something like half the global population um live in cities um, and that's only going to go up so that means you've got density of population as well Um, but I was reading up about what the impact of this is and I suppose in some ways you know it's something that we can understand but it's probably worth focusing on. Exhaustion of natural resources particularly obviously in an unequal way Mm -hmm. um, which we might talk about in a moment leading to things like geopolitical tensions, territorial control so there's a knock-on effect that isn't just environmental there. Mm -hmm. Um, Degradation of um, the environment, for example, with like the um, exploitation of fossil fuels, um, deforestation uh, as we spread out, um, needing to create more uh, food and so on. Uh, issues around rising unemployment, and that's something that, you know, is talked about a great deal in terms of like, you know, what happens with with AI and things contributing as well, but with simply having more people and not enough jobs is, is a potential um, issue. And the way in which Depopulated rural areas can actually affect ecosystems that have where things have been habited. Now, I was a bit surprised by that one, but it's quite interesting. Um, uh, I thought it'd be a positive thing, but actually, where human inhabitants has completely changed an ecosystem, then moving away from it can have a, de- a detrimental effect. So, lots to think about um, there. Um, but we're told that basically, no worries about overpopulation if everybody is really tiny why do you think they went so small by the way it's like what was it 0.364 percent of the current mass and volume of people yeah um
1: it's hard to say really
2: we think it was just for just for the sort of like humor concept of
1: yeah probably just yeah. i guess it's almost just like the the, the sort of the extent of the, the reduction in scale i like probably is a bit of a, i think it's just sort of to almost when you have that the sort of shots where you've got the large people and the small yeah. people together is that yeah. sort of juxtaposition I'd say
2: right from that first moment of the uh guy in his tiny little pose <laughs> on top of the page. Oh, yeah, exactly. you
1: know, literally yeah. looks so tiny I mean yeah. I don't know it was I, I think the concept is is just brilliant I think it, mm. it's just funny I don't think it's really well explored but yeah
2: and mostly I thought that they seem to get the proportionality pretty good, actually. Like, usually with these things, like, I don't know, hobbits, for example, constantly changing (laughs) relative height and that sort of thing. But actually felt fairly kind of consistent, Consistent, I thought. So, yeah. But obviously the idea of this is that if... You have less impact on the planet yeah. because you're miniaturised. Um, then it will solve the problem of overpopulation, which in yeah. turn has a positive effect on the climate and food, water, and so on.
1: Yeah, this sort of frame is the most like ethical way to mm. like overcome you know this issue rather than. Yeah, I I think I was watching it with a friend of mine who was like, oh, how's how's this? I was like, you know, I think there's there's like various arguments of like how how would you decrease the population, mm. but ultimately it. in the perfect world it allows people to live out the rest of their lives and like ultimately in from what we see is it is this it is just the same like you can't really tell the difference between you know the small world and the real world when
2: or if you, you're just stuck in one. Yeah, I think, and I think that that is the thing that's supposed to be kind of like appealing, isn't it? Yeah. It as interesting, I was reading <laughs> these core digest of different people's responses. to uh, The original question for this one was, "What would happen if all humans were suddenly reduced to the size of a typical mouse?" Well, that's about what we're talking about in this um, particular one. And uh, it starts off with, "We would no longer have any problems with food shortages, overpopulation, or pollution, as all of our needs would drastically decrease." And then it moves down the list to, we would have a very serious war against ants. (laughs) Uh, Squirrels would be a much bigger problem than they are now.
1: That's so true.
2: I'll put this Quora thing on there as well, because people have given this a lot of thought. (laughs) Some of it is quite science-based and some of it is more like, what would I do about my dog? (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) they they lived in these little um sort of the, small communities with mm-hmm. this infra- infrastructure around sort of shelters and buildings mm-hmm. that, you know, protect them from, like, rain and other sort of environmental disasters as well. Yeah, and becoming prey, I think, as
2: well. as becoming prey, yeah, hugely.
1: Um, although I feel like being the size of uh, sort of an, a, a small person that could, like, tame and ride a bird would be would be brilliant i think that's the first thing i would do personally
2: those ecosystems wouldn't thrive properly because you've not got things like bees that was another thought that
1: yeah i had yeah
2: say that's
1: oh that's so true you're
2: talking about completely changing the order of um kind of biological hierarchies aren't you in the world yeah. so it doesn't just have an impact on humans but yeah you're right it's nicely done with these little sort of domes in in which certainly the first group of people live um although we learn by the end that they're just living in the natural habitat without needing to be covered over so they sort of adapt in that way before we go on to those communities, which I think is a really interesting bit about this, obviously, like we see from the sort of beginning of this technology through to kind of its, you know, and the news response and things to then to the discussion about it. And then um, obviously, Paul um, and Audrey making the decision that that's what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. But what did you like, we're saying it's an ethical way to do things. And what do you reckon? I mean, would you would you have become small in this scenario?
1: I mean, I think that the issue comes in is not whether you're sort of I, again considering all the like sort of science fiction fiction mm-hmm. aspect and if this actually could happen. I think the issue comes in when you have the disparity between there being a mm-hmm. group of small people and a group of large people. If mm-hmm. everyone was either large or small, mm-hmm. like it wouldn't be uh, the same sort of I'd say kind of issues. I think I think there's a um, there's a scene in the movie even before the you know paul and his wife have downsized where this guy sort of questions what even like rights you could have yeah oh here we go here's the quote yeah he says no friends but do you think if you're that small you still have all the same rights as the rest of us same right to vote paul says why wouldn't we well, let's see. You're not buying as many products. You're not paying as much income tax, not really participating in our, in our economy. In fact, you're costing us money and jobs, which is, you know, it's an, it's an interesting thing to question.
2: I was trying to work out that whether I think that this is true. I mean, the right to vote, I think, is a really interesting one because and maybe this is, you know, kind of an American thing. It's certainly mm-hmm. something that, you know, all of this rhetoric reflects kind of other like real sorts of othering, like of immigrants and uh, racial othering and things like that. But this idea that if you don't contribute to the economy, you don't have mm-hmm. a right to vote. And that is, you know, that's for me a very limited way of looking at democracy because yeah. contribution to society isn't just economic and then i was thinking yeah. about the economics of it a yeah
1: well. think, yeah and i
2: think there is where we do run into issues isn't it because As you said, it's about this split between the big and the small because the original plan is that like two to three hundred year transition for the world to transform from big to small. That's what they propose originally, but obviously it's a minority decision within the timeframe of the the film anyway. But yet there is a a real kind of economic narrative here about obviously the cost within an economy for big people. When you scale down that economy to the materials and so on for for small people, then obviously their costs are lower. But it's not true to say from what we see that they necessarily can't contribute to the economy Mm -hmm. because the job that Paul does is as a telesales. So you know, the whole point is that, you know, he can do that because his voice is not super, super high. <laughs> he can do that and nobody can tell whether he's big or small necessarily from from the phone call. Um yeah, So I exactly. suppose it's just, again, this thing about, well, it could be that there are certain jobs that somebody couldn't do, but there are probably new jobs that they could do.
1: I mean, especially like how, you know, 2024 is going, mm. you know, uh, there's so, such a sort of climate like online jobs just like mm-hmm. being at home on your computer where it's not
2: yeah.
1: like and and exactly i feel like it as mm-hmm. if i was a small person on a zoom call to claire if claire was like a normal size <laughs> person like again there wouldn't really be that you wouldn't really know i could be <laughs> my no, no you'd just be crew. on your, your I'd just small be on my, screen but exactly you'd look the same. yeah i'd look yeah. the same um which i don't know I, I i mean i think this is also another thing is like even in just physical ability, I mean, we'll come on to it a little bit later because there's um there's a you know sort of subplot point with um how the downsizing treatment can be abused and stuff. Mm. But the difference even in like physical abilities, like to, probably to murder a small person, you could just <laughs> act be like I've tripped over, so okay. sorry. And just I don't know, I could, I don't know. It's it's even even in that sort of sense. and
2: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. You know, judicial precedent and things like that. I mean, in America, obviously, there's the issue of the constitution and whether that's mm-hmm. affected. But in a country like the UK, if we were talking about it here, where we have an unwritten constitution and, and things are based on all sorts of documentation but also things like legal precedent um then you're talking about kind of like adapting that for yeah these these issues and especially because we kind of see that the small people are reliant on the big people and this is the thing that i think is is at the heart of the economical issue of this so yeah. when we look at um leisland estate the place that um paul and Audrey decide they're going to get their their um uh, house then what we're we're dealing with is something that essentially seems to be like made for them in the way that dolls houses would be made for a doll or like a gerbil cage would be made for a gerbil um they're not creating things at the scale in their own miniaturized factories or something like that so there's a they're not um active within their own economy per se yeah. and yet also we hear this kind of fear around them this idea that you know a small person could sneak in There's a bit it's right in the background in the film but when you watch mm. it uh, when you look at the uh the screenplay you can see it uh worrying about people um like sneaking into your home when you're um like in the bathroom and and watching you and and things like that <laughs> so this idea that people are are frightened of yeah uh, well it's the otherness of it the sort of assumption yeah, that this will make people abuse um you know i mean i guess you know you yeah. could say well yes you could be a tiny person you could sneak up and and you know stick a needle full of novichok into somebody's ankle even more easily <laughs> than uh, than sort of a, a big assassin could do but again it's a quite a sort of negative view i think of um humanity
1: I mean, I, d- I don't know if it's true whether the sort of like, if you have two groups of like distinct groups mm-hmm. of people, that's always going to cultivate sort of like prejudices and stereotypes. Yeah. I feel like with the way that they portray it in the movie, that there's not really that much sort of inter-community interaction. Mm-hmm. I think once you become yeah. downsized, you more or less sort of stay within. I think
2: so. I mean, there's there's a few references, aren't there? So There's the single mum that Paul dates unsuccessfully in... In Leisureland, so she has a a son who whose grandparents are still big, and she talks about like how frightening that is for him, and like when they go to visit, they go to a, a restaurant that is supposed to be small, friendly. They have their own little table on top of the table, uh, but the restaurant, of course, is kind of manipulating the situation. So far as they charge a minimum, which I guess you know plays into this idea that if you were a chef, like a f- <laughs> full size chef, and you're trying to make food for small people mm. on the one hand the uh, ingredients that go into that are obviously minimal in terms of costs yeah. but in terms of labor
1: yeah it probably it's, it's, increases
2: know. unless they're also employing small people but there wasn't much of a sense that that was being uh, done yeah. although it comes back to that point you know it, surely there is a an edge at which um, small people like, if there are sufficient small people then you would create jobs in either world for those yeah. um, small people because there would be needs um, to be met. You know, I don't know, nursing and and being a doctor and uh, anything, being a window cleaner. <laughs> These are things that you yeah. need to be small enough to do, right?
1: Another thing that me and my friends were sort of considering, whilst watching is, is yeah, how how would you, especially in the initial stages, as people are becoming downsized, mm-hmm. even make such small sort of place of food and technology mm-hmm. and the same sort of things that we need as regular sized human beings. Um if anyone's heard of uh Willard Wigan, um he's this British sculptor who's actually really interesting, um, where his sculptures are placed within the eye of a needle or like mm. on the head of a pin. Yeah. And yeah, I
2: do remember. This.
1: As, yeah, he's I think it was small as like um 0.005 millimeters. Is he so.
2: the one who reduces his heart rate to such a low levels because he's got to deal with things that are so tiny. He has yeah. to yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be really yeah, fascinating. I so. I, it
1: which is it's interesting to see that you can actually make something I mean mm. you wouldn't even need to make something as small as that no. in in this sort of supposed world. No,
2: I mean I suppose we're talking about like well I mean I sort of mentioned that it feels a bit like an doll's housey. I'm yeah think my yeah, for sure. my you know seven year old niece has got all her Sylvanian families and they have all their own like you know bread and plates and things so i guess it's yeah, that kind of size I isn't
1: it? it's to sort of imagine the fact that things that do need to be as detailed as something mm. in the eye of like a a, a pin is like that it can be possible i mean yeah. if you know if you're listening please look this up willard wigan yeah, it we'll put, it, of like the put like, a link in the notes
2: because yeah. yeah i agree um, the
1: detail that he can get is literally this is crazy. I'm like looking at it now. I'm like, whoa. <laughs>
2: um, I think what you'd be talking about the the challenges really are with the with the sort of technologies that. I'm thinking yeah. screens and things like that, because we see like a normal sized television being like a cinema type screen. Yeah. But then the idea of kind of getting that down. Yeah. And I suppose, again, we're thinking about something, you know, it's sort of set in the present, but with a sort of futuristic element to it, I guess. Mm. So there's, um, you know, we're thinking sort of nanotechnology and the advances in yeah. that. that would all um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, play into this, wouldn't it? But again, I think that, you know, you'd think that the long term plan would have to be for those small people to be manufacturing their own small things. Right. So these things would not seem so difficult to make if you were only 10 meters tall. They're difficult to make That's when, true. like, you know, your hand is the size of one of those people.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
2: what did you think of Leisure Land or Leisure Land?
1: God, it seemed very drab. I don't know if this is just the American dream or whatever, <laughs> but it just seemed utter. I mean, you know, come to Europe, please. <laughs> it's just nice. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I I do wonder to Cause I, we only really saw it in the sort of American sense, but this, yeah, you know, this sort of all came from this Norwegian guy is that the idea and the course?
2: original Norwegian commune at the end. But yeah, you're right. Like we're mostly focusing on the American options.
1: Which, yeah, I I mean, sort of the idea idea is the sort of what really gets people in is the is is kind of coming back to you know you need. Less food, less resources, everything's less expensive. The the equivalence of your income when you're downsized is a, a crazy ton more.
2: Yeah, there's a um I'm gonna find the bit where the the out yeah, how much money they, they will have. But you're right. So they have these like these houses, which on the one hand it's like, oh, the sort of mansion you could never afford. But on the other hand, they're horrible. Like they're the huge, the yeah. Regency version of this, mm. which is very doll's housey. And it has, like, I don't know if you remember, it has, like, miniature versions of all of these famous um, paintings. So it has, oh like, God, um, yeah. um, uh, Very Vincent van Gogh's sort of Starry Night, things like that, yeah. in tiny, tiny version, which is, like, humorous if you're making it for, you know, your hamster, but somehow just horrible when it's for a person.
1: Yeah, it's just... Because oh, I, 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 uh, I think even when, uh, still at, like, the beginning when they were initially sort of deploying this like new technology in the movie in the early stages Mm. like they were sort of showing these huge houses and being like look at what your money right now like one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth is kind of forward you in leisure land yeah this
2: is the thing so like the regency level estate is the equivalent of a twelve thousand square foot equivalent home on a 1.5 acre equivalent lot so mansion size but it will only cost you sixty three thousand pounds because which to be fair you know if you were buying a doll's house that's a lot, yeah. of, money, wouldn't that's it? A lot of money um and then it's all kind of like packaged because it's obviously like this private kind of community so you pay for like your health and fitness package and what it says is they would be one hundred fifty-two thousand pounds in equity which is a comfortable number because it translates to 12.5 million dollars within the relative um sphere which is you know obviously only you know this is a temporary way of looking at things because if the economy shifts towards small then it will no longer be the case for a, a next generation coming through but really interesting and leads us I think to this this kind of thing about the fact that there's two things that get used for for the sales element one is this idea things that only rich people would be able to afford you will be able to afford if you if you make yourself small enough for it and then the idea that if you were yeah if you're struggling financially this is a way out and we see that really as an argument that comes up like a lot of times about the sorts of people who would move there for Paul and Audrey, they're still living in his late mother's house, and they can't afford to get a mortgage, even though yeah. they're both employed. There's Dave, the the friend who turns up at the reunion in the, the little box with his wife. He had gambling debts, um, and there was Conrad, who whose um, uh, wife had all the money. So when when he got divorced, he this was his way of of coping. So this is a lot about this idea about kind of your living up to a quality of life you wouldn't otherwise be able to afford, although afford, yeah. yeah, I have this real problem about this idea of kind of, first of all the limitations to the relative value of the dollar um, but also this thing about kind of like mimicking all of this stuff, like which is mm-hmm. The entire kind of capitalist mindset that is feeding into the whole uh, issue of living too heavily upon the planet. Yeah. Yes, you can make it small, but the mentality is it's still the same. the same. Yeah,
1: still that sort of cons- like consuming. Yeah, things, exactly. Just, you're still yeah, you're still sort of ex- experiencing and still mm. purchasing consuming things. Just yeah, like smaller scale that you believe is less. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, yeah, as you're saying, it's like generations are going to go on. Mm. The like relative value, the dollar's not going to be the same, and that no. means it's not going to be like you can't really live this like leisurely, you know, luxurious lifestyle mm. if everyone's again become downsized. But yeah. yeah, and ultimately, like, what's to say that everyone would? I mean, because yeah, obviously, it's a It's an optional thing, but even in you know, many generations into the future, I can imagine more and more people will go into it, there's always still going to be people who are regular sized and who will therefore sort of have more overall control than Yes.
2: And that's I think something that, you know, we really uh you know, we do see this idea of the Mm. fact that the power, even though there's you know, we still see examples kind of soft power from small people like uh in the academic sphere and things like that, but yeah you know if you've got the option to basically kind of crush with your foot um, the the distance or or um you know um people's whole communities and so on then that definitely creates the potential for a lesser kind of version of of human beings and of course we see this we see this in the terms of the abuse of power um which you mentioned before this idea of kind of like um um how very um apt when there's the example of um uh, I think it says um, the Israelis are shrinking the Palestinians right. um, and these uh, specifically the the shrinking of these uh, Vietnamese dissidents in prison of whom one of them, not Lan, we meet later on in the, uh, the film. But she is also there because she's a refugee who has escaped in what is essentially, I suppose, the equivalent of the back of a lorry small boat, which is now the inside of a TV box.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, And I thought that, that was, you know, they do a lot of this sort of satire on kind of like, like the language of racism becomes like the language spoken against uh, small people. And then we have the kind of imagery of illegal immigration, uh, so-called, so-called illegal immigration, Um, uh, is now like inside a box, rather than, you know, inside a, inside a, um, so people smuggling, but just on a smaller scale. And of course, Noklan is the only one who survives in this box. So we're reminded again of the dangers that are faced by, through migration and so on. Almost like this vision of saying that, you know, things will be, be better if we make this move in this direction, while we've still got political refugees, and in her case, she's an environmental refugee as well because her village was um, flooded to facilitate the building of a new dam and a new hydroelectric dam. You know, I think that's a, a really kind of side effect of this. That again, the the founder, the creator, um, doesn't hasn't hasn't kind of seen coming. Uh, and of course, it's this yeah, the manipulation of the system by people who have power and can can use it. So then. Um, get rid of essentially their enemies but without committing I guess genocide or something
1: yeah 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 exactly
2: one of the things that we really noticed about this kind of community is of course that we see it at this sort of high level of oh if you've got what is sort of you know this um medium amount of equity and you can afford to do the I think it's fifteen thousand dollars for the couple when yeah so orgy...
1: yeah I mean I was I was going to say as we we're saying it's Almost a sort of this financial escape, mm. you know, of, of um, any sort of financial strains that you might have. Um,
2: but you've still got to have $15,000. You still have to plus, have
1: $15,000, yeah. You
2: know, enough money to, to sort of, you know... Carry you through to the end.
1: Carry through, yeah, through the to the end, end. exactly. Is, you know, it is still not something that, like, every single person could really have a choice of doing. No, um, exactly. These, like, two extremes of people who are already extremely wealthy in... The regular sized world who wouldn't see much point in downsizing anyway because you know they're in a position where those sort of immediate financial effects but also future environmental effects aren't gonna affect them i mean as we were sort of saying don't look up you know the rich mm. are just gonna like shoot themselves yeah. off space the yeah. sort of cryogenic chambers and then there's the other side of that where you just can't point blank afford that at all I, nice. I, yeah, and it's yeah and uh, at the end of the day someone's still profiting of that. Who's where's
2: yeah. the fifteen thousand dollars going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's a I think there is a real question there about, you know, these prices seem really low. And then you think about them in terms of kind of the profit margin that must be going yeah. on there, especially on the housing and stuff. And there's also, I don't know, I mean, again, it's, it really reflects, I think, some of the language that, you know, gets used in racist context about such and such a community doesn't like want to work, doesn't want to contribute, you know, those sorts of things. But um, there's the bit where Dishan is complaining. So this is Paul's uh, upstairs neighbour um, this uh, Serbian businessman who basically seems to have decided to get small because he saw the commercial opportunities in it of bringing luxury consumables to the small person um, and he complains that basically um, like in a small world no one wants to work and Conrad basically says, um, what did you expect that is the wonderful thing about becoming small you are immediately rich unless you are very poor then you are only small Yes, which leads us very nicely into the sort of hidden parts of, of leisure land, which are not visible on the yeah. tour. So we should fill in some plot gaps here. Uh, one of the mm. <laughs> one of the things that happens is that Audrey, Paul's wife, does not, in fact, go through with her <laughs> yeah.
1: downsizing actually pretty hilarious because the whole time these friends that I was watching this movie with, I'd seen, this is part of the clip that I saw on TikTok um, was the fact that Paul's wife decides not to go through the procedure but I think there's a bit um, as they're sort of signing the papers these legal papers being like where you can to this um, that they say, oh there's like a one in 200,000 chance that you're not going to survive the procedure, that you're going to be, like, severely disabled or blah, 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 blah. And they're, like, they're the whole entire time my mates are, like, oh, my God, she's not going to make it. She's she's going to die. She's going to die. She's going to die. The Look on their faces. It is actually that heart-sinking thing that, like, the one person you decide to go through this procedure with decides to not. Do, like, he's just gone out there into mm. this, like, what? I don't know. That was, like, proper, like, I'd be heartbroken that was crazy betrayal from Audrey I
2: felt that there was something there about this idea that you're not going to fix a relationship that's got problems by yeah. just getting small together it also puts Paul into this very difficult situation because of course all of this question about their equity and some was based on their joint yeah, uh, income uh, yeah. and, and assets um I mean the other thing about Audrey is that and this is I think something that you know we we've talked about this idea that yes this is supposed to be environmental but most of the time what is it like when the uh, Dishan is talking about this and he um and like the opportunities that he's um he's found and he's basically like you know this is not about the environment he says uh um, when I see big people becoming small, all the new small cities, I see opportunity. I ask myself, Shan, why are the people they become small to help the environment? Mm. Please, they come, become small to have the <laughs> things which until now were only for the rich. But there's more than that, which is also this idea that people see it as like they don't, you know, they don't care about the environmental impact of it, but they also don't care about the kind of hidden costs behind all of this. Like, how do you run this kind of city and and that sort of thing? And there's something about like the grass is greener and so on. We just won't think about the implications. But with Audrey... There was another thing I thought, which is basically the point at which, and this is again, I thought it was very funny, but the point mm-hmm. at which she changes her mind is when they shaved off the first of her eyebrows. <laughs> like she's so vain and she's so like, yeah. oh, I just realized I was doing yeah. it only for you and I have to do something for myself. <laughs> and Paul is like, what the fuck are you talking yeah.
1: about? <laughs> 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 oh, that was yeah. good comedy. Yeah, that, that part it was good. Yeah, I don't think you get you get them both on the phone being like, and then they sort of cut to her with like one eyebrow <laughs> on. Or something. It's so good. That's
2: so right. Funny. And she's uh and he's like, you have to come and see me. We can sort this out. Like, oh, I can't see you small. I'm already too like too hurt. Like she's the one who's suffering. Yeah. So I think he was well rid yeah. there, but um. Yeah, there's there's all of these kind of different levels of like why you would or wouldn't do something, economics, but also like vanity and, and things like that. Well, that does lead us into this kind of levels of, of hidden costs, which is that we see like the glorious, disgusting Regency manners. And then we see like Paul's flat is quite nice. Dushan has this like crazy party flat upstairs, um, all very elegant, but it's only once Paul decides that he will go with uh, Noklan, and he will go um, to her home to help her Um, that we see like the suburbs and then we see like well where do all the people who serve this community where do the working classes live what about the housekeepers and the people who allow you to have this lavish lifestyle and that's where we realize that all the class inequalities just persist in the small world so although there's like this difference between the big and the small the classic being when um on the call center uh the woman on the phone says don't be short with me to Paul and he's like what did you say (laughs) like shortest language (laughs) um but then there's yeah like his his own prejudices continue like he thinks that Noclan is Mm. stealing the drugs when actually like Uh, Dishan has just been like yeah take all the medicine that you don't need presumably because buying medication is now cheap for somebody Mm. like him yeah and he kind of like has this view she's a cleaner so she must be like this and and you know um she must want this for herself because she's an addict or something whereas actually of course what we learn is Mm -hmm. Noklan is caring for her dying friend So, so what do you think about that scene where they get down to the uh like the wall
1: yeah I mean I think again it's it's clearly sort of breaking down all sort of own assumptions and well also the audience is sort of experiencing it at the same time it's not even like a sort of dramatic irony thing like you know it, it is you know it's kind of this again sort of perfect leisure land is sort of framed as this perfect sort of world and then yeah it's sort of almost not even like a blissful ignorance but people can't really you can't really comprehend that there's still like that sort of other like poverty side of it. Out
2: of sight out of mind yeah.
1: Out of sight out of mind exactly. Um... Dushan
2: can have these parties where like it's Paul waking up underneath the coffee table and uh, Dushan <laughs> with his uh, the two girls that he spent the night with and things like that and someone will come in who are of course foreign workers who will clear it all up
1: yeah exactly um
2: reminding us i suppose the as you say this kind of like um american dream of success you only get up to the top of the ladder by Having people you can kind of like crush below you to to pick up all the the pieces, yeah. and there's particularly like Nock Lan, she'd been really famous for being this this dissident and this environmentalist and things like that, and like uh Dishan says something about like uh the famous Ngoc Lan uh, dramatic escape from Vietnamese Vietnamese prison and almost died, so now she can clean my house. America, big land of opportunity.
1: Yeah, it is just that extreme. I mean, one of the questions was is exactly when you are downsized, they sort of promote it as this. You know have to work mm-hmm. you you know can live off your savings for the rest of your life but who you know considering that if uh sort of leisure land has still has these sort of communals that, you know bird mm-hmm. spaces who is again running you know those sort of bars and events and who's cleaning mm-hmm. up and who yeah. you know is, exactly so there must be that it is again that sort of outside out of mind then it kind of feeds back into like especially in COVID people only really started thinking about those sort of like workers yeah. such as I mean, nurses are definitely in like, you know, everyone's sort of working together, but I guess that's a sort of different type of essential worker. But no, but you're right,
2: I think that's that is true.
1: Yeah. People like cleaners, mm-hmm. so you don't really think about that. And it, again, it is that sort of American dream of like, oh there Paul's, you know, uh, neighbours just like, oh, and there, there goes the cleaner who was like this once environmental activist. And I
2: think that very much amplified by the the highlighting of the racial differences again, very much like yeah. kind of, you know, we've talked to, there's a bit about class here, but particularly I think class is obviously something we think mm-hmm. about a lot in Britain, uh, but the racial element, um, you know, really reflects the respective wealth in American society. And it's not until we get out into that, through the wall, into this place where basically everybody's living in kind of converted, what are they called like containers, um, like off the back of transport trucks, turned into these kind of makeshift blocks of flats and the people who we encounter are people of colour, people who are sick and therefore cannot work sick, yeah. um we see representation of uh disability noklan is one of those because she has an amputated leg mm-hmm. but we also see people talking in asl for example suggesting that that's kind of something that is excluded we've not seen any of that reflected in kind of how society functions in the the main part of Legionland, land and just diversity of race but very few white people um you know what we've seen so far has been majority white in uh, white and kind of privileged of America, but also of Europe and and um, so on. So um, I think that really, really comes to to light there, and. Again, taking something that I suppose is particularly an American example, we know that America obviously has the biggest disparity in access to healthcare of like any uh, Western country. And that still persists, even though one assumes things like drugs and so on should be, in relative terms, <laughs> very accessible. Um, but we're told, like, we've only got the bad doctors now. Because, like, if you failed in the real world, you've been shrunk down and you I this. And Noclan is looking after this Mexican woman who is dying of cancer. And Paul is the one who's basically she's like, be like a doctor, be like a doctor. It's like I'm not a doctor, I'm an occupational therapist without a license who works in a call center. On, oh, the funny, uh, funny, very dark humor of where um the woman has. um Yeah, go, what happened to your friend? Yeah, oh, she died. <laughs> I think I gave her too much <laughs> drugs. <laughs> I was like <laughs> <laughs> she died smiling. Died <laughs> um,
1: right, smiling. Right, it's, dark, um, it's dark. It's dark. Because I, I guess it's also quite funny how, how sort of she's so unfazed. Like you can tell she's been. You know, like yeah, mm. it's 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 just mm. it is dark, but it's, it is. I think it does have some pretty good. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, of, like,
2: you know there, too, there but, were people yeah. I believe who, who like criticised kind of the character because of the fact that uh, you know she speaks in broken English and so on. But I know that the the actor and also kind of like some of the critics who are really pro this sort of uh, characterization point out that she's a really nuanced character, very funny, but also got yeah. a lot of kind of different layers there. And one of the things that she was really showing Paul, who is, you know, obviously deeply miserable and and so on, Mm -hmm. uh, is kind of like she's not not messing around, kind of like having a great deal of time for sort of um, emotions or like even like Mm -hmm. the big ideas of injustice. It's about how am I going to make life better for this person? How can I get food for this person? And when (laughs) Paul, oh, this is... I was reading about something about this idea of like in fiction where like men are made small, it you can really yeah. explore like the gendered aspect of it, that somehow it's like emasculating mm. um and and so on, and that's not something this film particularly plays around with, but there is something about Paul where he's like, "I can fix a prosthetic foot) <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then breaks it, breaks
2: it. yeah <laughs> and then she's like okay so now you have to do my cleaning job for me because you've broken my foot. <laughs> um, but um but yes yeah, so, i mean a real sense i think of that kind of like this is supposed to recognize the impacts of an environmental crisis and all it's really doing mm. is perpetuating the same social injustices that we know the the mm. climate crisis is is also causing which might bring us quite nicely onto the sort of like environmental message of the kind of last part of the film and so we call this guy Dichon and his business partner Conrad and they are basically doing things like making 2,000 tiny little Cuban cigars out of one Cuban cigar and selling them (laughs) Um, (laughs) and uh, I think that he basically seems to import like presumably illegally full-size bottles of vodka on, uh, like being dragged behind the boat, that um, <laughs> so Conrad has this <laughs> boat that gets like FedExed around the world to the places he wants to go visit, and they say they're going to go to the original commune in Norway. They want to take Paul mainly, I think, because Deschamps thinks that Paul is pathetic and should like have something better done with his life. And when they um they tell Noklan this, she's like, "I'm going with you." <laughs> um uh, and you know once she's made up her mind she seems like very much like okay that's it um it's happening i'm going and then we also see some emotion there this idea that like uh dr Asbjornsen had uh like really reached out to her when he found out like how his technology had been used to harm her so um uh she really wants to go and we get this complete shift in the whole like backdrop. We're suddenly in the Norwegian fjords being seen presumably from this tiny, tiny boat. So they seem even more like impressive, the water, the cliffs. Um, It's all like immensely beautiful. But when we meet uh, Jorgen Asbjørnsen and his wife, they are actually really, really depressed. And the reason they're really depressed is something we've seen hinted at previously, which is this idea of having reached an environmental tipping point specifically the one that they talk about in the film and we were discussing this a little bit more because i looked it up slightly was to do with um the idea of the antarctic glaciers um shifting and melting and releasing methane which in turn was contributing to greater um global heating and thus more melting of glaciers and so on and basically saying that this this most recent methane release um was kind of a catastrophic turning point that from which the earth could not recover presumably to do with the rising temperatures that it would then cause and the irreversibility of what has happened um mm-hmm. and so i was looking this up and again we'll put a bit of a link to this uh cambridge study which is actually looking at um the arctic rather than the antarctic but the um the premise seems to be very much the same basically um saying that methane emissions uh, are um, likely to increase as Arctic glaciers retreat, more springs are exposed, and these groundwater springs um, have large stocks of methane gas that leaks from them, um, and basically that, you know, this is exacerbated, could exacerbate global warming, is the language that they're using, and that this has not necessarily been considered as part of the kind of global methane budget, um, the full extent of this. So These tipping points, again, um, some uh, interesting kind of research that I looked into for this. But basically, um, we know that among the identified tipping points, climate tipping points in Earth's climate system, it is sea ice. So looking at uh, the Antarctic ice sheets collapse, um, one of which um, would occur at the two degree global warming point, um, and also in the Arctic as well, the Greenland ice sheet collapse, um, same same issue. This is something that would happen sooner rather than later in terms of um, the degrees of global warming. So this is obviously something that this doctor feels that kind of his, his strategy has failed, like he hasn't been able to get enough people to do what he um, wanted, and he gives this speech
0: The world has already seen five major extinctions and now there will be another. I, I didn't want to believe it, none of us did, but there we were in Helsinki, big and small, climatologists, bacteriologists, demographers, physicists, immunologists, 26 Nobel Prize winners among us. We built all the models, did all the math, and our conclusion was consistent. Homo sapiens will soon vanish from the Earth. It is now an actuarial certainty. No matter how the end will come, environmental disaster, pandemic disease, unbreathable air, impotable water, not enough food, nuclear winter, some combination of them all, Relatively soon, the Earth will indeed purge itself of human life. And God knows how many other species. Do you really mean extinction? What about downsizing? Yeah, yeah. Too little, too late. Only three percent of the world has been There simply isn't enough time. Uh, Not a very successful species, these Homo sapiens even with such great intelligence. Barely 200,000 years. Alligator has survived 200 million years with the brain the size of a walnut.
2: What do we think about this kind of, like, attitude? Because for him, he sees this as, like, a point of no return, and as a consequence, he and his uh, kind of group of followers are going to go down into a bunker in the ground and stay there for... Eight thousand years until the world fixes itself.
1: I mean, again, it's kind of that—a bit of a strategy of like self-preservation and sort of. I mean, uh, obviously, that this this character here is like a bit, you know, he's one of those. He's sort of depicted as a scientist, sort of breakthrough mm-hmm. scientist. It's kind of, I think, it's pushed as this sort of thing. Where, you know, he needs what he's talking about. Whilst there's... I think in the movie, you know, the, there's also people who are like saying, "What's mm-hmm. the rush?" Yeah. You know, it's not not like the world's ending, you know, going to collapse, the climate's going to collapse tomorrow. It, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, you can sort of definitely see that Paul has that, like, toying sort of, oh, am I yeah. going to join them? Yeah. Am I going to stay? Sort of kind of debate in his head about it. I mean, again, it, it kind of just, it feels like that same sort of concept as, you know, go listen to our episode on Don't Look Up, but kind of just just sort of saying, okay, wait, we've got the option to to just sort of hide
0: mm-hmm. ourselves
1: away for 8,000 8, mm-hmm. years and our future generation is going to come out to when the earth itself is eventually recovered. But I don't know, it's it's hard because again, it is that the difference there is that point of no return. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, yeah, and especially with, you know, as the sort of ideas described, it's going to be this positive feedback and, you know,
2: I mean, I think that on the one hand, there's something really important about kind of acknowledging these tipping points, because at the moment they seem to be sailing past relatively uh, frequently or looming relatively fast without um, them being given the gravity that perhaps we need to. On the other hand, there's this kind of doomsday language, which seems to kind of like scare people off from engaging with the kind of actual issues. Yes. And I'm going to suggest that we look at a show called Last Light, which I read, uh, watched quite recently, um, Mm -hmm. which deals with something very similar about kind of like, how do you get people to wake up to a tipping point? Mm -hmm. But obviously like for this group of people in Norway, they've decided that what they're going to do is make sure that the species is preserved. That's basically their aim. And yeah, Paul is going to go with them um, and then he doesn't uh, because he realises he's in love and so on. So he comes back. That's another another aspect of the story. Um, but I think that there's, there's an impact. I, don't know, I mean, I think it's really interesting with the kind of like um, scientists who really ca- uh, kind of campaign against extinction events and there's some really kind of important voices out there. But sometimes this question about whether like, they're treated as um kind of like wacky outsiders even though they're the ones who kind of know the facts and that's a little bit of the way in which this kind of community is depicted because they're very kind of like hippie they're all like it's it's communal living socialism which obviously makes everybody very nervous within America um and it's um wearing like this, Paul's got like changed into these like natural woven clothes and he's like playing a drum and sitting in a circle and chanting and all this stuff like so they're like shown to be a bit kind of like far out from from that perspective but then there's obviously the whole set of stuff that doesn't get covered which is okay so they've built this incredible underground vault which is relying on completely on geothermal energy has its own kind of like mimicking of the sun things like that. Who funded this? That's the question I want to know. Yeah, because that's always the issue, you know. And if we can fund that and put that level of innovation into this vault, why can't we, you know? Obviously, yeah. like there's this tipping that's point, no. Way. But um, yeah, yeah, but but there's an amelioration that's possible, surely, in surely, terms of yeah. uh, with the right innovation and the right um, investment. So. Mm-hmm. I guess we're supposed to think maybe that Paul, both kind of for uh, like the the big reason of whether you know shutting your community in the ground and just waiting it out is the right thing to do. Um, the fact that he comes back, he also of course puts Noklan and his love for her first, so that he doesn't do it kind of like what Audrey did to him. I guess so that's you yeah. know kind of a good thing. Dushan thinks that people will um, go mad and kill each other down in the vault. Do you reckon?
1: potentially I mean do they mention the numbers of people that are going down to the that's board? an
2: interesting one it doesn't look like that many although they do seem to have taken things like semen and so on with them presumably <laughs> to diversify the gene pool because it doesn't seem to be like that many I was reading another that book people, that I might yeah. write about um for a book of the week um that does a similar thing but with a with a space uh, mission instead and um I think you know we're talking about an entire stadium full of people kind of required for the skill set and the gene diversity and and things like that to, yeah. to re-establish so they don't seem to have really thought that through unless they're talking about basically creating I guess artificial embryos from this bank of semen yeah. and ova that they've taken not sure um yeah
1: I wish at that point gets proper like dystopian. Yeah, exactly. Sort of there's a you know, there's, Which, yeah. whole other
2: film to be set down we in the vault. <laughs>
1: yeah. A downsizing two <laughs> yeah, exactly. tune in 8,000 years into the future. Yeah. yeah no, I'm I I as a lot of questions. I mean, again, I I feel like we've talked before about the difference between like having sort of again, we've got this like right now we're living this sort of global scale of capitalist world, whilst on a smaller scale you could enact i don't know more sort of like socialist living standards Mm. of more of a community um and again that's where it kind of comes into that difference between like responsibility and sort of community justice Mm. like how that would affect really like where how it would influence the way people behave around one another it's hard it's hard to say
2: yeah it reminds me i was gonna i mentioned this book the future which i've also put on book recommendations and i talked about it previously but there's um a whole narrative in this about this idea about kind of like how to uh survive the kind of end times uh or uh like a survivalist planning is all about kind of this idea that uh you know people must Uh, must work together in communities, as we've talked about before. But um, also one of the other things that this novel does is this idea of basically saying kind of what would happen if we took all the kind of potential around basically tech conglomeration and the sort of impact of tech power which you know, this idea that these kind of um, leaders in um, this kind of corporate tech world have more power than um, government leaders do. I was listening to an interview with Bill Gates the other day. He thinks this isn't true because you know he doesn't have an army or whatever. But uh, I think that you know we could really question that. Um, but what happened if you were actually focused all of that into finding solutions? That's that's the only kind of hopeful future out of all of this. But you're right. I mean, this film particularly, I think. Gives us this idea that that there's something about community and um, pulling together, but also, I know right at the end we've got Paul going back with Noklan and going back to this this kind of life they were living where Paul who always wanted to be a doctor, didn't become one because he had to go home and look after his um, mother who uh, had fibromyalgia, was um, uh, housebound and so on. So he hadn't done that. And then he hadn't had a successful marriage. And then he hadn't continued working as an occupational therapist and all these kinds of things. And he's like, I'm going to be part of like the destiny of the human race. And then he doesn't do that. He goes back uh, to, to just kind of like, Get leftovers <laughs> from restaurants and take them to um, the people yeah. who need them, and and um, like practice what medicine he can to help in the community. What does that say, I suppose, as a, as a message of what to do within this crisis situation?
1: I mean, ultimately, I think he's been as under influence of um, not plan. Um, he's kind of decided. I mean, she sort of says at the end. I think we we're saying how. That ultimately the people who are going to need help are going to be above ground and who need, what does, what does she say? What does she say?
2: People here need help, not down stupid holes.
1: I think she puts it a little more eloquently than I did, but um, I, I think there's a bit of like a, especially a poor sort of storyline, finding a bit of like purpose and self-identity and like throughout this whole sort of experience, you know, I feel like, as you sort of listing off these like things that he's gone mm. through in his life, his sort of failed marriage, mm. his like failed dreams of becoming a doctor, I think he does find a bit of a purpose with Notland and helping these people in the end, and
2: finds it in the most unusual place, really, because it's through through you know yeah. Dushan, his crazy slightly dodgy <laughs> Serbian partying neighbor, and Notland, the uh, yeah. cleaner whose prosthetic foot he breaks, you know. It's not the big kind of like idea of, of, you know, networking and, and, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, it just kind of almost fell into that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think there's something, you know, Paul goes from saying, you know, you can't just be worried about a few little people thousands of miles away. You have to look Mm. at the big picture. But actually, ultimately, that is exactly what he does.
1: Exactly what he does. Yeah. He works on a very like individual sort of person to person level, which you could argue that's almost you could say that's a bit futile, but I don't know. Like, I think it is, I don't know. I It's it's hard. It is hard because I, I think there is that sort of point to drive home about being like, mm. look at the big picture, but also who is going to help those people. Yeah,
2: exactly. And that actually maybe some of us, that is exactly what we can, can what we do. do. Um, yeah. I was interested um, that my father who hopefully will never listen to this uh but um has been lying awake at night worrying about you know how we've managed to his (laughs) puma generation perhaps has managed to fuck up the world and so (laughs) on i suspect his version of how they fucked up the world and my version are different but nonetheless Mm -hmm. that's you know it's interesting and my mother saying by contrast well there's nothing we can do about it and actually i think well yeah okay in a way that futility is something that we can already feel especially if we kind of think that you know oh, our so, impact yeah. of the ballot box is lost you know um you know, you might go into a kind of a a career that has some kind of impact in some area of science or something. So that maybe transforms certain lives. I do work educationally. So you transform like one person's life a little bit here, a little bit there, whatever. These tiny things. Um, But actually, for most of us, that's the stuff that we will be able to do, you know, it's to touch certain lives. And so, you know, I think actually, there's something if we look at the fact that, you know, the, the state of the world impacts, more heavily on certain people than on others and it's those underprivileged people so whether it's about you know the sick the disabled those who are unable to work those who you know for example people in certain parts of the world that will be more negatively impacted by um climate disaster um uh women who we know are disproportionately um impacted uh, in many communities because of the environment and whether it's you know the fact that as your neighbor is no longer able to you know like pay for heating to be on as long are you making sure that you know that one person is warm enough or able to have hot food or whatever that maybe that's all we can do um yeah. some of the time and knocklands kind of like yeah she has been a protester she has demonstrated against kind of corporations destroying her village but then she's also like, no, I think Paul says something like, uh, you know, why aren't you writing books and giving speeches? And she's like, I have to work to live. And then we actually realize that she's not just working to live. She's like working to make sure that all of these other people are fed and kept alive and and yeah. so on. Um, or die happy in the case of the woman mm-hmm. she's looking after her pet. <laughs> So yeah so it's a bit of a different message in a way from some of like because mm-hmm. it's not it's not like the individualist message of like the last of us or something where it's like you know oh yeah. just look after your family or your like found family or whatever it's actually it's bigger than that, mm-hmm. but it's not the kind of like try and save the world sort of thing either like we can save the world by saving the people like in our immediate in need in our immediate vicinity
1: maybe yeah, um, yeah, exactly lot to think about it, it is isn't it?
2: it yeah yeah okay so we think that one of the flaws of this film is in a way it packs too much in but from the discussion point yes. of view there's something uh quite good about that
1: so anything else you wanted to say about this film i think that pretty much covers quite a lot of it to be honest
2: but i suppose what we should say again is that yeah okay it's got these serious but it is also quite funny so um yes you know. <laughs> it, is, it is a good one
1: if you just i feel like it's one of those dystopias which like i think we cover a lot of heavy yeah exactly yeah and this one is quite it like can sort of in certain perspectives mm. be a bit like oh that's that's like that's a lot to think about but if you want like a light-hearted just sit back have a bit of a laugh have a bit mm. of a ooh, a bit of a weird film yeah. sort of night yeah oh, this is a good one this i think a fun it is one, yeah
2: so. yeah um so yeah enjoy that i think that uh, Yeah. Just thank you for, for finding it on TikTok and uh, bringing it to <laughs> um, our attention. That's great. OK, so thank you for listening to our episode on Downsizing. Um, we've made a slight change to the programming just because we've heard a lot of talk about this uh, new BBC drama uh, called mm-hmm. The Way Um, with... wonderful michael sheen in it
1: love a bit of michael sheen
2: and as we said to each other it's set in wales and we're not (laughs) representing the welsh enough so (laughs) you don't get that many welsh dystopias Uh, so we're going to cover that um in uh, episode 14 and then we will simply uh, like push back one week um uh, well, one episode one fortnight on uh, badland hunters which is um slightly kind of quirky korean film on i think netflix so um uh, so that will be the the fortnight after um but do join us for the way in two weeks time and um before that we will also have our next newsletter out so uh, that's uh, in the intervening sunday as it were mm-hmm. um please do let us know all your thoughts yes. things that we should be covering um we'll keep updating our list of future things um mm-hmm. and uh, you can contact us on instagram at dystopian fiction current affairs or by email dystopian fiction current affairs at gmail.com um and you can find out all the other bits and pieces that we do by going to our link tree uh in instagram including a place to donate should you feel so inclined um but possibly more important to us rather than just money is rates and reviews if you love what we do please do let everybody know um by uh reviewing us on your preferred podcasting platform yeah
1: let's spread the word
2: that's right well thank you very much marsha thank you thank you everybody for listening